Welcome back to another edition of the Wits Up Podcast. It is fantastic to see all of your friendly faces. Do you know what? With this episode, I've done it again. We, As soon as I get on uh, to the platform that we use to record, I just, I just hit record because I get so nervous that I'm going to forget uh, that we'll start chatting and I'll forget. So literally hit record as soon as I open the, the application. Um, and again, with my chat with Leander, we just started talking and she just said, oh, do you want to, is this it? And it wasn't, but I thought, sure, let's just keep going. So I don't actually introduce Leander until the very end of the podcast. So if you are listening to this and you didn't read the description, today I am talking with four-time world champion, yes, four-time, short course, long course, 70.3 and Ironman world champion, Leander Cave. Uh, She is a retired pro triathlete. She now does coaching and a whole host of other things. Um, And in my opinion, I think she's uh, one of the most successful athletes that this sport has seen, but hasn't necessarily got the accolades in the wider triathlon community, perhaps. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. If you think that I'm... um, off base saying that, then leave a comment, let me know. Uh, but that's what I feel. Um, there's a few reasons why, and we discussed that in our chat. Uh, but yeah, let me know what you think. We talk about a lot of different things. Uh, she's in a really good place at the moment, which is fantastic place. I mean, like mentally, emotionally, all those kind of things. She has an announcement that she makes, uh, throughout this episode and I'll let her announce it. I won't I won't announce it now. Uh, But yeah, I hope you enjoy our chat with uh, Leander Cave. I'm off the back of running around at Ironman 70.3 Geelong, which saw Ellie Salthouse take the win there. Uh, For me personally, it was fantastic to be back reporting on the the longer distance racing. Um, I haven't, I haven't done it for a while and I was absolutely exhausted. Uh, there's a lot of things going on just to give you a bit of a background. What I end up doing on the day is, um, obviously taking photos of the athletes. Uh, I'm on the back of a motorbike. Uh, that's how I get a lot of the bike shots. Um, but there's a lot of jumping off the motorbike as well to get static photos, but also to get time splits, not just, um, for, for us, for us reporting on the race, but also to be able to give that information to athletes out on course uh, if I can and when I can. Uh, So that's one part of what I do. I also try to get some video content as well. And then we do a lot of uh, updates on the fly as well. We used Instagram stories this time to do it. And I feel like that uh, got a really good response. Uh, Let me know again in the comments on the platform that you're listening to this podcast um, or watching this podcast on YouTube, let me know, did you enjoy that style of race reporting that we did at Geelong 70.3? On top of that as well, I also help out Ironman uh, with their reporting. So I'm firing off information back to them about how the women's race is unfolding throughout the day, which also includes photos and videos. So there's lots of things going on uh, throughout the race um, and all while trying to balance cameras and a phone and not drop a phone um, from a back of a motorbike. So it's been a while. I'm a little bit shattered after that, but I've got to rally and we've got Challenge Shep coming up in a couple of weeks. Anyways, sidebar. Let's get back into my chat with Leander Cave. 
Please excuse this very brief interruption. I'm just here to say, if you are not already a Wits Up Patreon member, please consider signing up. It really helps us out and supports Wits Up to continue to bring you powerful narratives of women in sport. Just click the link in the description below uh, or just simply go to patreon.com slash Wits Up. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Wits Up. And I assume you know how to spell Wits Up. Uh, okay, back to the podcast. Um, and is everything okay last time you had to cancel because you had to go to the docs? Is everything okay? Oh, yeah. I had a mammogram, but I, I, it was like a very – I had a letter in the mail. They're like, oh, we see something wrong. We need to check you out again. So I call up and they're like, can you come tomorrow? Which was, yeah, totally, yeah. So I had to – yeah. Yeah, but it was fine actually in the end. So, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm glad to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing so like getting one of those letters in the mail. Yeah, no, I know. I was like, yeah. That seems bizarre that it was a letter. Why wouldn't that be a phone call? I don't have a doctor here, so it's like it's ah, weird. Normally they'd send okay. me results to my doctor, but like we just moved to Miami. I don't know if you like this is recording, but you can add all this if you want. Yeah, we moved okay, to let's Miami. Do it. Yeah. Um, you know, when we moved to Miami, um, it was a two-month stint here uh, where we're just going to like avoid the – the first part of winter, the shoulder season, where it's not really snowy, cold, you can't do anything. It's just awful, you know, miserable. So um, that was in the like beginning of November. So we're just here for two months, and then things just gradually like started happening here, and like in terms of work, both for um, Michael and myself, and and we kind of just looked at each other and was like, hmm, maybe we should get a place here, you know, and extend our stay. And then it became the maybe we should just move here. <laughs> so that's kind of how it went. Um, so, yeah, I still had everything set up in Colorado, which is where, you know, I moved to moved to have a completely fresh start before I met Michael. And I was just like settling in there. And so I had everything set up there. I bought a place there, you know, moved in, made my place my own. Um, you bought a place in Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I had planned to like just new beginnings, right? And then, but that's my life. I, I should never have just bought a place. <laughs> so, anyway, so my doctor's over there. Um, and I moved here, or we moved here, and um, just changing that whole thing up. You can't just like walk into a doctor here. You just have to change your insurance and then you have to get allocated uh. to a doctor and do all that sort of stuff. So it's very different to, um, to Australia and probably yeah. many other places in the world. Um, welcome to the US healthcare system. Um, <laughs> and so I'm still waiting to find out like who my doctor is here and I've got my health insurance here. Um, so anyway, got this mammogram and I got a letter in the mail saying there's something that showed up and normally that would be sent or not even sent. They call up the doctor and send the results to a doctor. Well, I don't have one here yet. Yeah. So I get the information. I'm like, oh, crap. Um, so I went in and they gave me an ultrasound, um, women's issues, <laughs> mammograms, um, and they <laughs> noticed that nothing was actually wrong. It, all my cells looked normal. So off the hook there, all good, but um, a 24-hour scare in the meantime. Wow. And like we said, interesting to get it in a letter. Like seems like the the most bizarre way to get it, but obviously it's because of the system and not having a doctor there. But I don't know. I just – I don't open letters anymore. So if that was me, I would have just got it and 
I don't check my mailbox it. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I'll just go check the mail today. Oh, shit. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. You knew, deep down, you knew you had to check the mailbox that day. Yeah. I mean, normally, you know, like we're in a condo and they just pile the junk mail in there and I'm sifting through Mm. junk mail just to find a letter, let alone something that's important. (laughs) Oh my Um, God. Yeah. Anyway, so that happened. (laughs) Shit. So, but everything is okay. Everything's good. Live to see another day. (laughs) But you've had... This has just reminded me, and you, you're going to have to correct me because I'm probably going to get it wrong, but didn't you have a skin cancer scare as well? Uh, actually, yeah, I did have a skin cancer. It was on my back. I was back in 2013 um, after, you know, a year, the year I won Kona when a lot of mm. things went to, went to shit. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I not only just had skin cancer, I got injured, uh, found out I need glasses, all these things, you know, it's wonderful. Um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was. I had that taken out of, on my back. It wasn't a malignant one. It was um, just a topical um, squamous cell carcinoma. Yeah, but equally as scary to be in with when you don't know what's happening, right? Waiting for results. Yeah, yeah. And the doctors kind of—I don't know. At least my doctor kind of overplayed it a little bit, made it sound a lot more—I um, don't know—life-threatening than it was. But um, right. Yeah. It's still, right. you know, we, we live our lives in the sun, at least most athletes like myself do, especially Ironman, when you can't, you know, make sure you're training early hours in the morning and later in the afternoon, you're kind of going through into sort of mm. the peak sun hours of the day and just like it's part of the job description. You have mm. to just like do everything you can to protect the skin. And for me, you know, I've been wearing sunscreen since, since I can remember, but it's still not enough. But Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and I'm, yeah. I just had a bunch of things taken off, like, you know, just – sunspots taken off um, a couple of weeks ago and I get checked a couple of times a year and it's all, yep. all, all those things like it's just prevention same getting a mammogram it's prevention it's not so much um, you know something addressing something that's wrong all the time it's just making sure that yeah. nothing is going wrong yeah I've heard and I'm not going to mention his name because I don't like to mention his name on our podcast but it's a particular coach, and, and I don't even know if this is true, but I've heard rumors that some athletes are told not to wear sunscreen during a race because it affects their sweating capabilities. Have you heard anything like that? That's just not, you know, I don't even know who you're talking about. Um, but, yeah, no, that's dumb. That's really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if it's true, but I have heard it from a few different sources, and I don't know if it's true. Look, there's no doubt that like putting sunscreen on your skin that that it does, um, I'd say, cause you to sweat a little bit more. And um, if you're not wearing like a sport one, it kind of blocks your pores. But honestly, Mm. like I I went one year where I wore bad sunscreen in Kona, not something that stays on your skin for a long period of time. And I've never been so burnt raw red in my life. Like I was blistering head to toe and I'm very fair so it affects me more than others now if you've got beautiful Mm. bronze skin like my Brazilian fiance then um you don't necessarily burn (laughs) but you know for the rest of us yeah we we uh we struggle in the sun we have to wear sunscreen you know yep very important anyone who's listening you need to wear sunscreen it's a long-term play, right? Like, don't just think of something in the in the moment. Like, sure, like, you could get away with a bit of sunburn once or twice in your life, but, like, every race you do, that's going to add up in five, ten years' time. And, 
and hey, um, I don't think I look bad for my age, and I think that's also, uh, from you know, a, a vanity point of view, a good thing about wearing sun cream. Yeah, well, a Brazilian model thinks doesn't think you look too bad for your age either. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great segue. I actually only found out about an hour ago that you are fianced. I didn't yeah. realize that you had been that you got engaged. Congratulations. Are we, is this a word I need to look up, fianced? I, I like to, I don't know, I like, I like to make up words. Is it, <laughs> isn't it a fianced? I, I don't know. I, uh, this is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that happened back in February. Oh, ages ago. It's you know, old news. snuck it in there. Um, yeah, it's, you know, everything happened quite quickly through COVID. And, you know, things like that happened. You know, I guess that whole 2020, it was... A year where you just, for me and, and probably a lot of people, you just have to like take a, a close look at yourself, right? And mm. um, and address what you feel is um, important to you and uh, make change, the changes that are necessary and, and do things which you feel are uh, going to make you happy and, and it's not, you know, you realize certain things in life are more important. And mm. uh, definitely like, you know, we met um, – under unusual circumstances and um you know after you realize you can talk on the phone for like hours and then you don't want to get off the phone with somebody and then you're like I just got to meet this person and then you meet them and then it's equally as um you know um uh, charming and uh you know how do I put it in words you, you know you just <laughs> want to be together and um you love spending time with each other and you're each other's best friend and company and there's a lot of physical attraction as well like you realize like yeah that's there's certain things like that which are important and you know some people find other things important in life um or at least in a relationship and you know that I I just realized what I was looking for and um we both found the same thing in each other yeah so fair to say uh, I mean you're still smiling now um uh, and I know most people are listening to it, <laughs> uh, but yes, Leander is smiling a lot right now as she speaks. But clearly, you're you're happy. You 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 seem happy. Yeah, we, I mean, look, we we we. There's always things in life that happen, right? That make you upset hmm. and sad, and change your trajectory and, and where things are going. And um, you know, I was having a short conversation with actually Norman Stadler. Um, just on on Instagram the other day, and he was just talking about how he's he's like, yeah, I didn't see. This is not where I saw my life going. And um, mm-hmm. sorry, Norman, if you're listening to this, I hope you don't mind me saying. But you know, my <laughs> response to that was like, you know, I stopped trying to think where my life was going a long time ago, and I just let it happen because I I realized that you can set so many things up to be the way you want them to be in life, but at the end of the day, there's like you've got to just roll with life and and let it um, kind of guide you where it wants to take you and and I'm I'm a big believer in what you put out in the universe is what you receive and you know I've I've received so many great things in life and I think one of the things too is like you know meeting this great man who came into my life and um, and the things we're doing now together uh, which I've always had a dream to do and um, we're now you know we're putting it into action just having someone like that push me in that way has been really um, really great. Yeah. So do you think, I guess, that mindset of trying to just let life happen, do you think that came as a result of 
retirement or was that starting to happen before you retired from professional racing? I mean, like I said, there's certain things you can kind of put out there and, and try and go for, like strive for. So when I was racing, like, you know, I had goals, right? Like I wanted to achieve mm. certain goals, but the timeline wasn't like anything I put a um, limit to. So I didn't say, oh, I'm going to win Kona in like a year. I was like, I'm going to win it. I just don't know when that'll be. And that, I mean, you can go back to 2000 and uh, when was it? Seven, I think I was interviewed by NBC and I literally said that and, you know, it took seven years. So I think there's certain things in life which, you know, you can put out there and you can try to achieve those goals. Uh, but like putting time limits on things, it's just going to disappoint you, right? If, you're, if, if I say oh, in two years time, I'm going to win Kona and I don't, it's going to be disappointed. So just like keeping certain goals open-ended like that makes you kind of keep trying and keep keep getting hungry for it and not being always knocked down and disappointed mm. by all the, the times you don't step up to the plate and make things happen. Um, and so that in one respect is, you know, how I see things. But but then there's other things in my life which, you know, I don't I don't get to choose who comes into my life and who goes out of my life and things happen like that and uh, people change, evolve, feelings change. And so mm. like that sort of things is like, you know, when that, those things happen in life, like that's, I'm just letting it go. I'm letting it happen. I'm letting it, um, I'm letting it help me grow as a person. And I learn from things. I learn from the good. I learn from the bad. And um, as a person that just helps me become better. And, um, and honestly, I, I learn more about myself that way. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a really important message is to be open to, I don't know, like you can't, you can't control other people and they sort of move around and I like, I like you constantly evolving, but people fight that, I think, a lot. And I think yeah. that's, yeah. Passivers never change, you know. Passivers yeah, yeah. always end up being the way they are and, and that's the annoying parts that um, I guess sometimes we, we get kind of um, – fed up with ourselves yeah (laughs) you know those things that were like oh you know when someone's like oh you're just like your mum when you do that or you're just like your mum when you say that and you're just like oh no I didn't want to be like my (laughs) mum you know but that's what happens right and then um Mm. and then you realize like some things like that will always be part of you and and there's always things that you can keep working on and it's it's good to also like you know have someone in your life who points things out and then helps you grow and helps you be a better Mm. person yeah Definitely, definitely. Um, you touched on this very briefly that you're you're doing some things at the moment that you've kind of always wanted to do, and things are, are happening. Let Let's talk about what you're doing these days. Last week, the week before, you launched uh, the Leander Cave Club. Um, you're involved. You're involved with Credo. Yeah, I'm actually capacity. just by chance wearing this yeah. shirt. By the way, just if anyone's watching this, I wasn't planning on being seen. So I, I look like a little, um, yeah, I look very normal. Um, yeah, whereas here. I dressed up for the yeah. occasion. <laughs> and you put any any effort in the way I look right now. Um, this is just the shirt I pulled off. But anyway, yes, credo, um, definitely one of the things. So I'll talk a little bit about everything. Um, yeah, let's do it. The first you mentioned is Club Leander Cave. So that was actually um, back when I was living in Miami and training here as a pro. It's always something I wanted to do. Um, and then through, through circumstances I left and I never actually got to do it. So when Michael and I moved back to Miami, 
you know, we started talking about this and, and he's like, let's do it. So he's been pushing me a lot to, to make this happen and he's been helping a lot and we've finally put all the thing, all the puzzle pieces, well, not all of them, we're still working on a few, but most of the puzzle pieces together and we launched the club um, actually at Challenge Miami a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this is more of a local-based club, but we're going national in terms of like some of the other things we offer on the coaching side. Um, but for me, like I... I look at back when I moved to Miami and I didn't have any knowledge of where to train or who to train with or where, you know, any of that sort of stuff. So, um, and if you did, like if I wanted to find out, I'd have to join a team and work out with that coach. And I don't, I didn't want to do that. I had my coach already. Right. So, Mm. um, so our idea is like have a club, like bring athletes to a place to join a workout. They can be coached by whoever, but just be part of a community. Um, and then if they want to use the coaching resources we have through the website, great. If not, then they can, you know, stay coached with whoever or not be coached at all. Uh, but then at the same time, we wanted to bring a community of coaches together. So on the same side, like coaches try to, in my opinion, they work against each other instead of working together. And I feel like mm. if coaches working together can only help each other grow in their terms of their knowledge. I mean, I've had my own knowledge, what I've learned through the sport, other coaches have their knowledge based on how they gained their experience. So I think we can only help each other. Then also when we bring athletes together for workouts or training camps or things like that, athletes get such a great um, experience because they get to see and hear uh, coaches from a lot of different uh, backgrounds. So that's yeah. also what we wanted to do with um, with the club, the Ender Cave. So, um, so yeah, so that's what we're working on now. It's all online. You can find it all at um, clubleandercave.com. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the other thing I'm still working on, um, I'm working with Peakers.ai. That's the, um, the coaching app. Uh, we've been now, I think, five years now, and, and we're, we just keep growing and growing. So that's become a really um, – I'm a really big part of that team, and, and I'm helping that grow, and I'm coaching on that platform as well. Um, I have, obviously, my own coaching company on the side, uh, which I <laughs> – that's one of the things that you know Club Leander Cave absorbs. Um, and then I have another project I'm working on with Lisa Roberts. Um, she's former pro. She kind of still is racing some pro, like she's mostly doing running right now. Um, yeah. So we're, we're creating a, um, a protein product uh, together. So we're in formulation with that right now. So um, oh, awesome. can't tell you too much about it because um, it's, it's unique. But um, watch this space there, um, and then finally... she's doing some writing for us on. Oh, uh, she is. On, on, yes, on running and uh, ultra running and the changes from triathlon to ultra running and yeah, it's actually I interviewed her a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about you and I was like, oh, I have to get back in contact with you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we kind of. Oh, I <laughs> we got into it together, but she actually stuck to it. I was just like a one and done. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, intentionally yeah. I was gonna do more, but Miami doesn't really lend itself to ultra running. Um, but I will be. Um, wait, this is gonna be like you're gonna be the first person to know this. I'm gonna be racing um, Ultraman. Uh, I'm gonna. What are do... my questions? <laughs> okay, so talk us um, through. Yep. Yeah. So I have to qualify, um, which is gonna be in July. I was all I was going on track. I was everything was going great. I hadn't really know, announced it yet because I was just like, let's just see how things go. And then 
freaking car door hit me here um, in Miami when I was coaching an athlete and took me out and I fractured my pelvis. Fractured, not broke, just fractured. So it wasn't like crazy bad, but it was bad enough where I had to like totally stop doing everything and I landed badly on my left side so I couldn't swim. I tried swimming until I found out it really hurts. (laughs) Uh, And then so literally like I was stuck doing nothing. Um, And I recently just started spinning on the bike. But yeah, it was, so that's put like an eight week dent in preparations. And it's actually more than that because I have to start, you know, from scratch and I can't go hard and I can't even run right now. And there's a whole bunch of things I'm still. So anyway, that's the qualifiers happening in July. They'll be in Penticton. That's if we can fly to to Penticton, but I think I'll I'll be able to get over the border. Um, And then obviously the world champs will be in in Hawaii in November. And uh, my goal is to, to get world title number five. <laughs> so, okay. This was going to be one of my questions, uh, whether you want to get the fifth world title. And I'm, I'm not sure all of our listeners know, but let's just quickly go through it. Short course, uh, short course, long course, 70.3 Ironman world champion. No one else has done that, have they? You know, I don't think so. I don't think so either. And then yeah. I was thinking about this when I was just jotting down some notes. I'm like, is it rude of me to expect you to know that? Or should I have figured that? Like, why would you, why should you have to know that? No, I, as far as I'm aware, I am the yeah. only one. So if anyone puts, wants to put a stake in the ground and say, no, I'm also, uh, I also hold those titles, then great. But okay, let's yep. just say, let's put it out there. I'm the That's only one it. who has those. And, and then by the end of the year, you'll have the five and definitely yeah. be the only, only one to have all five. Yeah, and, and look, I, I, for many reasons I want to do this. Obviously, having a fifth world title would be amazing, but um, I'm, you know, I, I'm a big believer in women have as much strength and power and ability as men, right? And I want to be the first person to do this, not the first male or female, the first person, right? Yeah. And the fact that I'm a female can only inspire and motivate other women to be the first. You know, a lot of, a lot of big achievements um that you know break or you know extend the human ability um are often done by men like the first Mm. person to do this like go to do the seven summits or whatever is men i'm first man to do this it's it's always Mm. men right so i'm going to be like the first person to do this male or female and you know i feel that's a big milestone um and so that's kind of what i want to emphasize and and Mm. i'm actually going to be documenting this we started documenting this until i fractured my pelvis just to hopefully like make a little mini tv series or a little documentary about it Um, awesome because you know i feel like this is this there's a strong message in here Mm. and uh, this message i feel can inspire a lot of women but also men too like to just do something like this is to you know keep pursuing dreams and goals and one day, like whether it's a year or seven, like it, could, yeah. it could happen, you know. It's just you, you shouldn't – don't give up so easily. And, yeah. you know, I thought I was retired from sport and um, and now look at me. I'm, I'm not <laughs> retired from professional racing, but this is like a different goal, you know, the world title um, that I, I'm, I'm trying to achieve. And it would be awesome yeah. if I could win overall again. I'm a little behind now on, on – um, where I was going in terms of training, but 
who knows if I could win overall male or female, that would be even a bigger achievement. Oh gosh, um, so. I love it. We yeah. will be following closely for yeah. sure. Keep us updated. <laughs> definitely. When, when, at what part during your retirement did that little burning competitive spirit come back and say, ah, there's another world title out there? Well, well, Michael makes fun of me a lot because I, <laughs> he's like, what are we doing for training today? And I'm like, I'm not training. I'm just working out. And he goes, this ah. is so bad. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Lies. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's just I spent so long just killing myself and mm-hmm. so, you know, many pro athletes do, right? Like when I retired, I, I just decided I, I, I have the choice now to hurt or not hurt. Um, wake up early or not um mm. and I, so a lot of I, had, I ended up having a lot of choices so when I decided to work out I decided to do it on my terms and take the pressure yep. off right and so you know for me training it still has this little thing in my head that means it's going to hurt it's going to be hard it's not enjoyable and um so I just call it working out. Like I go out and I have fun and when I'm like hurting, I'll, I'll slow down or if it's too long, I'll stop. Like it's, I'm getting hungry. I'll go to a cafe. I'm falling asleep. I'll go have a coffee. I just, you know, I make it like on my terms. And, yeah. and honestly, I'm, I'm having a really fun time with it. I really enjoy it that way. Now, is it training? Perhaps. Um, it, is it, it's some of it structured, some of it's loose. It's not really, um, I'm not following much of a specific plan. Like every day of the week is is a certain like sport or there's a certain goal in mind. But um, yeah. it's it's just training is more like doing something every day to reach my goal. Whether it's whether I want to call that training or not, I don't. I, to me, I'm, I'm I'm just working out. I'm enjoying it. You know, it's yeah. my lifestyle and that competitive nature that. Um, that I had when I was an athlete, I, I don't know. I'll see. I haven't raced um, a triathlon. Mm. Uh, I was actually going to race this past weekend, but I couldn't because of this um, fracture. But I was just going to go in and, you know, slip in there quietly as an age grouper. <laughs> <laughs> Until you know, someone spotted you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that didn't happen because I, I couldn't race. So, you know, oh, we, uh, I might I might show up on a start line somewhere sooner or later um just to you know get a taste for it but yeah I, I don't know I feel it's part of my DNA I'm not sure racing but definitely like doing something yeah acting active and and honestly I like having a race as a goal to stay active I'm not sure it's like going to be racing <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm interested to see what happens over the, the the coming months and I guess as you get closer to the day that you race but not racing and see how and see how the mind changes and uh the approach yeah yeah well i think a lot of people will be interested in that michael Mm. he's like i can't wait to see you see you go to a race because you're just going to turn it on (laughs) (laughs) sorry is it maiko or micah maiko maiko so he's he's a triathlete obviously yeah yeah so he did he know who Leander Cave was. was yeah 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 okay. I didn't know him <laughs> was he was he a fan he was a fan yeah how did how did that conversation go 
Uh, okay. <laughs> so I'm how, how how'd it go? Yeah. Well, well we were messaging on yeah. Instagram. Yeah. And he's like, is this really Leander Cave? Like he didn't really believe it at the yeah. beginning. And I was like, yeah. He goes, oh, okay. I was just, I just thought someone else managed your account. And then, yeah, we just oh. had like these long conversations <laughs> on an Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So. Because like in the world of triathlon, you're kind of a big deal. So yeah. any, any, sorry. Yeah. And then when we, when I turned up and we met in person, he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like. This is really her. <laughs> so, yeah, so he's kind of a fan. Do, yeah, so do you think he found it hard to switch off the fan guy triathlon frother and just go, right, this is a potential friendship, relationship, whatever it might turn, turn out to be, but still like, I want to ask all these questions about triathlon and I'm such a fan. Like, do you think he struggled with that? No, I didn't. I okay. don't actually. Yeah, I yeah. mean – Maybe he'd say something different, but um, to me, he came across um, like a gentleman every time. Like he was always like very, yeah, not like uber fanish. Okay, so one thing I think I actually said it on my chat with Lisa Roberts. I think we actually spoke about it briefly in Kona when you were on the Wits Up panel. In my opinion, I feel like you're one of the most underrated or undervalued athlete that the sport has seen. Um, And I don't mean that in any offense. I mean that as in, I don't feel like all that you've achieved is celebrated enough, in my opinion. What's your response to that? I agree. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm look, I'm, I'm a humble person and I, I don't, I don't sit and brag about things I do, which drives people around me nuts because they, they're, mm. they're like having to tell everybody when I meet them what I've done. And mm. that's just who I am. Um, yep. I've worked hard, really hard to achieve what I've achieved. Um, and I've achieved those amazing things that I did. And I sometimes blows my mind what I've done myself, you know. But, um, yeah, I I don't know. I don't. I can't explain why or how but I feel like what I have achieved is recognized by the right people you know and oh nice that I don't necessarily need to be in magazines or have awards or all that sort of stuff or um it, I mean look I, I I don't think sometimes it helps and I'm, again like I'm not a feminist but I'm a female in the sport and I've seen that you know there has been uh there are still uh many things that um it, it's it's harder to achieve as a female and some of that is recognition and mm-hmm. um and those discrepancies discrepancies are becoming smaller and with the likes of like you know Daniela Reef bridging the gap between the men and female time they'll always be slower right that's just physiologically we cannot be as quick as a male um but you know I feel like from where I stand the, the sport is growing and if I've made an impact in um, the future of where our sport is going for females, uh, I'd be very happy with that. And honestly, I think I have done that. And if I can keep inspiring women and young girls to do this sport and to keep shooting for the stars, then I, I'm, I'll be happy to be able to do that too. And 
if we get support along the way by people who can see the vision and see what I'm trying to do in the sport, then that's also a great thing. So those when I say the right people, those are the people who look what I'm doing now and look what I've done in the past and connect the dots and uh, can support, you know, me and my goals moving forward. Yeah. When you say, you know, being a humble person, I know after Kona, uh, when you won in 2012, the next year was rough for many reasons, but one of the things was you're a shy, you're a shyer person. Is that, that's fair to say as well as being, you know, a bit more of a humble person. I'm I'm an introvert. Um, Mm. I also, look, I was in a place in the sport in like I was on the top of the world in 2012 and then I hit rock bottom in 2013 mm. with being injured and I think I was I was a little how do I put this um I was a little bit disappointed in in the sport but also um the fan base and I got to see how fickle it could be very quickly right mm. like all of a sudden mm. everyone wants your autograph your photo um something everyone wants a piece of you right mm-hmm. sponsors media race everyone mm-hmm. and then when you're like injured and you're not performing that well it's like so quickly like you just fall and slide off the map and I don't know for me then it was just like you know a reality check it's like what am I doing this for like I'm not I had to go back to you know the core of why I really wanted to win and mm. achieve things and it was never about media money exposure it was about this little girl who grew up wanting to be the greatest athlete ever right and Mm. um and I achieved that and I can walk away and have my head up high knowing that you know I I still am fundamentally that little girl still wanting to achieve great things that's that's awesome because I don't know how many people can say this is what I wanted to do and I achieved it and can walk away I don't I don't know there's many people who can confidently say that so that's that's fantastic to hear yeah and and being part of the sport is it's still ingrained in me it's part of my DNA Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't have to walk the walk and talk the talk I mean the people who know me people who know what I've achieved that speaks for itself um but I feel like what I want to be in the future is is not always just being known for being this athlete. I want to do other great things. And, mm. you know, these things that I am doing right now, you know, some of which I mentioned earlier and, and also, sorry, I didn't mention, but being part of Credo, the motivational app and oh, yeah. being like also having like these other things that I'm doing, I feel like that's kind of lending itself to where I want to want to go in the future and, and, goals I have long term right and you know Michael and I were just talking earlier today like when you come up with an idea um and you really start thinking about it it has a million different pieces it's this puzzle mate you know and it's like oh my gosh and it's even with Lisa with you know this protein product we're like oh my gosh like all these different pieces are flying up in the air and and so many people just all they see is pieces you Mm -hmm. know and that scares them and then they're like can't do it right and and I think there's always like people go so far in life and um, they stop trying to put the pieces together. It's just always too much to think about. It's just mm. you know, and I don't know. At least with Lisa and and with Michael, like we we want to put pieces together, and we're 
So we're starting to see this picture evolve. We're starting to mm. see like what it looks like. There's still, like I said, there's still pieces that don't fit or, you know, we're trying to put in, a, you know, maybe the wrong place right now. They'll go there. They'll fit some at some point. But um, eventually, like, we're going to have something, right? We're going to create yep. something. And you have to just keep persevering, trying to put those pieces together to make something. And yep. I, yeah. And, and trust in that process. Yeah, I mean, if there's any, you know, you don't, I, I don't gamble, I don't, but I don't bet on it many things, but, you know, I bet on myself and I believe in myself and I believe in the things that I'm doing and I believe in the people I'm doing things with and, uh, and that process, right? And mm-hmm. the end goal, whether it happens, and this is what Lisa and I, we talk about, we didn't realize this process, what we're doing together is going to take so long. And, and Michael and I also, like, we have this idea and we thought we'd execute it much sooner than we did, but and it's like I said, it's still a, a work in progress. But um, the timeline, you put a timeline on something, you're going to be disappointed. And we live in this kind of crazy, fast culture where everything has to happen yesterday, right? And nothing happens that fast in reality. And mm. like you talk to anybody or you listen, like I love listening to podcasts. Anyone who asks me, you know, I'll, I'll always listen to a podcast or whatever and I'll I'll talk about something I hear in a podcast. You you. So you listen to these podcasts where people have started these massive um, corporations or businesses or created products and, and they'll mm. talk about like the three years that they spent in their parents' garage trying to make a, like uh, the guys who started RX Bar or you know, things like that. And it's just like, it's, it's amazing how much time and effort they put in in the background that no one ever hears about. And, no. and I also say that too, like when I, I'm coaching now and I, I have um, some athletes who are, like, when am I going to have that race? When am I going to be able to do this? When am I going to get that result? And I'm like, it takes time. Like I explained to them, like every athlete, every pro athlete that you see on the podium now today spent years to get there, not not a couple of months or, you know, yeah. one whole season. Like it took years. And um, I was fortunate enough to have Lucy Charles sitting opposite us um, when I was sitting down with my pro after her race in Miami Challenge or Challenge Miami. and and I said, Lucy, how long did it take you to get here? And mm-hmm. she said, well, you know, I was racing age group before I turned pro. And it was probably like like five years. And my athlete needed to hear that because, like, she's one year pro mm. and and just things are, like, not happening as quick as she thought they would. And I think she's doing incredible right now. Her name's Lisa Gruden. And yet, you know, it's it's a process. She's still working on it, mm. it and it takes time um gosh it took me so long like I said seven years before I finally won in Kona you know like this goal I'd had in my mind so yeah we just have to sometimes just take a step back and realize there's some things that can happen quickly but for the most part it takes time and there's a process and if you don't apply everything you need to apply to that process you're never going to get to the end goal and you're honestly just constantly going to get disappointed along the way. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, and even with wits up when we launched uh, years ago, I was, I like the puzzle piece analogy. I was doing all these things and I had all these ideas. I just didn't know where it was leading to until one day it came to me, but um, it, it took a while. And then once it all came to me, it all just came together because I'd been churning away in the background and it's the same with sport particularly triathlon um and like you say I feel like people do give up 
too easily because they expect overnight success and they see pros who have overnight oh I'm doing inverted commas um for those who are listening and not watching me but yeah like I I hate and you're probably the same when you hear people say about athletes they're an overnight sensation it's like bullshit no one rolls out of bed and becomes a professional triathlete there is years and years of consistency uh over time yeah and unfortunately, yeah. we don't get to see any of it, right? Like what's only documented in the press and the media is everything that we see when it's success in, um, you know, those years where they're finishing maybe, you know, 10th to 20th in a race. No one's taking photos. No one's seeing them, putting them on camera. No one, that, that, that stuff that you don't see. Um, yeah. It's actually funny. I remember, I don't know, it's a photo. I remember uh, Will Clark posted it a while back, but it's a photo of him in an ITU race, running side by side with Jan Fadino, right? And hey, Jan Fadino looked like a completely different athlete, but this must have been probably in the, I don't know, the mid two thousands, like quite a long time ago. Not, not Jan hadn't even had lot, any ITU success at this point. Um, and then you know, look where he is today, right? And like, I love showing that photo to people just because it really just resonates. Like what I'm talking mm-hmm. about here is just like that. That was a very different athlete than what the guy is today, but that didn't happen mm. overnight. That took 15, 20 years to create, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I want to go way back. Actually, I shouldn't say way back because that suggests that you're really old and I didn't mean it for it to sound like that. <laughs> oh, I'm proud of my age. I think I look great for my age. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's why I often will. How old are you now? I'm 43. I just had my 43rd birthday. Happy birthday. Thanks. I- I've got my 40th in four weeks. I yeah, had to look Marinda at the just turned 42, so, you know. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Let's live our best life starting yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but you know how, like, that old saying, you, you can't ask a woman her age. Like, I, don't, I don't give a shit, nor should any, anyone. Um, that's, how, that's how I feel anyway. So, I like that. Proud of your age. It's good. <laughs> um, but let's go way back. Way, way, way back. Um, where, actually... Where would you call home? Oh, you know, you have this question, like <laughs> yeah. this one question when you sign up to do this podcast and I was, where would you call home? Or what would, no, what would you do? Where would you want to spend? What was the question? Something where I would said you, I was, yeah, where would you like to spend a year living or something? And you just said yeah. home. And I yeah. was like, where is yeah. home? <laughs> yeah, because that's not mostly like hard to answer because, Mm. Like I said before, Miami, it was like, you know, I had I wanted this clean slate, set up myself to be home in Colorado <laughs> and life life took me down a different road. Um, so home is, yeah, I mean, home is where the heart is. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's a little cliche, but honestly, it's, yeah, I, I, for me, I've been in so many places in the world and. Honestly, the longest I've ever lived anywhere in my life is Miami. So being here feels like home. And oh. although technically only lived here with Michael for a couple of years, like it feels, I feel like this is a place like I know and I, I've, I've got a lot of friends here. And um, yeah, I kind of, this, this is, yeah, I feel like this is home. This is place has brought me back. And, um, and I feel like this is, I have to like answer answer to the city that keeps bringing me back. It's Miami. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a magnet. But you were you born in Cairns or grew up in Cairns? 
Uh, so I grew up, grew up. It's, it's a little. Talk, give us the time. Talk. Give us the timeline. <laughs> Go on. I was born in the UK. Yep. So that's why I ended up racing for Great Britain. Yep. Um, but my, I migrated when I was young, four, to Australia. And we traveled around a lot when I was a kid for eight years in a caravan. But we, on our, on our way around Australia, we stopped in Cairns. My parents bought land in Cairns and they had this dream to buy, to build a house on this land. So bought the land, off we went, kept traveling around Australia. And eight years later, we ended up back in Cairns where we ended up renting a place for a couple of years. Then my parents decided to leave again because we'd left school. <laughs> and we, my, I left, I went to Brisbane. My sister, oh, she actually stayed in Cairns. My brother also left to, to university in Brisbane. So my parents were like, oh, this doesn't really work out. Let's go down south to be closer to the kids. Uh, and so they did that. So they left again. And then... Eventually, they're like, oh, you know, we really wanted to have a house on our land. So they decided to move back to Cairns and put a house on the land that they owned. And so that's what they did. So the longest I'd ever lived anywhere in my life before Miami was Cairns, which was three years. So when I say, am I from Cairns or did I grow up in Cairns? No, I, I, I really didn't. <laughs> I grew up in so many places. Yeah. Um, Cairns was one of them. Yeah, right. Yeah. What, what do you think, for want of a, bit of a better term, it's kind of a nomadic kind of lifestyle, which lends itself to being a triathlete when you travel the world, living out of suitcases and bike bags and what, whatnot. What, what do you think that nomadic caravan lifestyle taught you as, as a kid? Or what, you know, what lessons did you take from it? biggest lesson was just to um not get fixated on material things you know like i i don't have much i don't need much don't want much i like simple um i i I, i'm more about having amazing experiences in life than um what i can show you know and yeah i and i've I've also I'm, i'm very easy just to like I don't, things don't stress me when it comes to travel, right? Like I have no problem just getting on a plane and going to a foreign country, you know, just things like that. And, and I can figure out logistics really well. Um, yeah. I mean, aided by like internet, but back in the day when I was traveling, starting out, we didn't have internet, we didn't have cell phones. Like, man, I, I had like every lonely planet book you can imagine. Oh, those young, back in young the listeners day. out there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Man, I had like I had maps from every country and train timetables and taxi phone numbers. It's just crazy. Yeah, I did it did it the hard way, but um, yeah, I feel like part of me. And I, I talked to Michael about this, and maybe this will be another you know idea on the list of things I, I <laughs> want to do. Is this? Uh, I would love to just like set up like a travel. Um, I don't know a travel gram of like wet like races like amazing yep. places and races and kind of take people through logistics through um, a story and things like that on, on Instagram and show like the world through my eyes when, you know, you travel to a different place. And cause I think that's one of the biggest stresses that people have is like a foreign place and, mm. um, and traveling there with your bike and all that sort of stuff. It's, 
with our sport. That's that's actually not that complicated. <laughs> yeah, and like you say, if if you if you don't have that stress, um, you can really enjoy the experience t- tenfold. Yeah, I mean, I've yeah. had some fails. I'm not gonna say that I'm everything's always been perfect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's um, one of the fails that you remember? Oh, it's just some of the hotels I've ended up booking, and you know falling for the, the photos online and not reading the reviews and things like that. Yeah. And yeah, I've had some terrible ones. Um, booking, I mean, who hasn't done that? Booked a hotel in the middle of a city when you've got a race that's in a big town or, you know, <laughs> and then all you hear is cobblestones all night, like cars just zooming past on cobblestones. <laughs> earplugs, best yes. lesson, buy earplugs. Yeah. Yep, definitely. Yeah. And uh, yeah. always I got into trouble traveling with a bike in many places in Europe with stairs, being on a top oh. level and having to carry a bike upstairs. They don't yeah. do elevators, yeah. No. So or always the underground try and... in Paris. The only time oh, yeah. in Paris is on the underground, like getting from one airport or train station to the next. I've actually never been to Paris other than that. <laughs> I've never seen Paris. I've just seen the horrible underground. Uh, yeah. I I had a travel fail coming or going from Roth, uh, yeah, Roth to London and was very hungover from the party. I actually don't think I'd went to sleep and completely stuffed up the time and missed my flight. So then landed in London on a Friday at like 5 p.m. and had to catch the tube into town or into the city with my bike and it was an it was a nightmare. It was the worst thing ever. <laughs> and people yeah. were like, what's in there? And I kept telling kids that it was a pony. <laughs> <laughs> they loved it. Yeah, the um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So growing up, um, bro- brother and sister, yeah, it's just the brother and sister, yeah? Just the three of you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you've met my sister. Yes, I definitely have. I came into an interview with you. You're staying uh, on a leaky drive, and you, I think you're staying with your sister there. I think that's where I met her. Possibly from memory. Yeah, she pretty much came to every Kona. She was my biggest cheerleader. Yeah, She's so awesome. so this is where my question was leading. Uh, how close are you to your siblings now? But also back when you were in a confined space of a caravan. <laughs> Just to put into perspective, anyone listening, our, our caravan was um, was nineteen feet long, so not very oh, long at all. Just yeah. a little more than the drafting distance. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> triathlon speak. I like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's keep it real. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so not that big, and um, yeah, my sister and I we shared a bed. Yeah, and my brother was on a top bunk. Um, so my sister and I, we, we did not, um, bond very well as, as siblings. Um, she, she was, I, my sister and I, we, we have different nail situations. She has beautiful nails and I always bit my nails. So as kids, she'd always have nails and I did not. So if I annoyed her, she'd just scratch me like a cat. And I just had scratches everywhere and I couldn't get her back. Right. So I. Which was always frustrating. Um, she was also the big sister, so she got in trouble more often. She, you know, my parents, like she was like the example, right? And always the one making mistakes that I would learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, so my sister made them all and got in trouble for them all. And I learned not to do certain things. And 
thanks to that, you know, my older sister. So thanks, Mel. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, like we go grow up as you go through life, and um, you know, I always looked up to my sister. I, I always wanted to be like her. She was always the kid with friends and um, boyfriends, and you know, I I didn't I didn't have many friends growing up. I didn't have boyfriends. I didn't have my first boyfriend was nineteen, and hers is I think probably literally from as young, young as I can remember. Like I think she had one at like ten or eleven, maybe yeah. younger. You know, and yeah, so you know, I always looked up to her that way. It's like I want to be like my sister. Uh, she always had cool fashion sense. She always had cool hairstyles. She wore cool makeup. Like, yeah, had right. cool taste in music. Like most, she could dance. I still can't dance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so was she? Was she fair to say a bit more of an extrovert in comparison to you? Yes, yes, yeah. I was the shy okay. one. So yeah. You know, my sister, um, you know, I thought she was my role model. She did a sport. I did the sport. Mm. Unfortunately, she did triathlon. <laughs> so I did too. And that's how I became good. Um, just copied her. And, you know, she was finally happy that I was doing a sport that she wasn't that into. She was into surf lifesaving. I did that too um, in swimming. But, you know, I found triathlon. So she was happy that, okay, the end is doing triathlon. I'll stick to my surf lifesaving. Everyone's happy. Okay. Um, yeah, but you know, later on we we bonded a lot better as we got older. As you do, just you know, uh, we, it was always great having her at the race, supporting me, and you know, we didn't get to spend a lot of time um, as teenagers or young adults together. I was mm. I left home young. Um, she actually stayed in Cairns, but left home young too. Um, so you know, the only times we really get to see each other was on holidays for for many many years, and then I moved to the UK and. Um, again, I didn't see her some, you know, for six months or so for a mm. long time. And, um, yeah, so it was hard, like as siblings, we, we, we didn't grow close. So I guess, you know, the Kona, when she came over, it was like our time together in a way, like we got to be together as siblings and, yeah. um, you know, now I get back to the UK. Thankfully she's there now living in the UK. So my parents, my brothers in Finland. Get to see yep. everyone a little. Everyone's a little bit closer than they used to be, and that's really great. Um, it, although COVID's changed all that, really. But um, yeah, yeah, normally when you know we don't have COVID, uh, yeah, when it's all over. I'll be back over there to see them for sure. Yeah, yeah. So do you feel like Kona with your sister almost brought you back together a bit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's nice. Yeah, like she was my biggest fan, um, and I, you know, took. I won't say it took me a while to realize that, but I definitely felt like um, I understood. Like that was like her being a proud big sister, you know. And yeah, yeah, and it was really special to have her there every time. And it was also like a, a support, you know, having someone close, like a family member, is mm. is different than having friends. You know, it's it's um, you could be yourself. I could, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a bitch around racing, or I was, you know. <laughs> I'm still a bitch every now and then, just that's my God. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I um, I, was, I was an easy person, but my sister knew how to navigate that, you know. And, yep. and having someone like that around is really important, like who can talk to me and honestly and um, and I can talk to them honestly. That's It's good to have that around in a big, a big mm. race like Kona. Yeah, definitely. You need that inner, inner circle for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And and what about your brother? How's that relationship bobbed and weaved over time? Oh, my brother, he's sometimes elusive. He came to Kona a couple of times actually. Um, yeah. And it was cool to have him too. Like we, we definitely have bonded since – look, can I tell you what changed him with kids? Um, he was a loose oh, yeah. cannon and not, not to the extreme. Like he, he was just – he was into like the partying, the going out, and that's when he was younger. And we tried to live together for a little bit when he moved to Brisbane and then it didn't really work out because I was training and he mm. like we just were not on the same wavelength. And um, – you know, when he moved to Europe and got a job and then met, met his now lifelong partner and they've had kids now and um, so they his he and his – like it's a Finnish thing or a Scandinavian thing. They don't marry much over there. So I love to say he married his, his uh, girlfriend, but they're, they're still his girlfriend. It's not, a, it's not a thing there. They don't – No, is that... it's weird. Yeah. Oh. So anyway right. – um, so, yeah, so they've been together for, for a very long time now. They have two kids. And what grounded him was, like, kids. Like, he, he changed mm. him. And um, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, so he became, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> grounded you. Yeah. 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 So, but in a good way, right? And mm. um, I was like, oh, for, for the first time, my brother and I, we had, like, great conversations. And he took interest in things and, like, we did in common or like not even like we just had a, uh, a different um, relationship after he had kids. Mm. Um, I guess it, he just, I don't want to say he was selfish because it's definitely not my brother, but you know, he stopped thinking about himself so much and more mm. he became more cognizant of people around him. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. I think I say this a lot when it comes to triathlon um, and particularly with professional triathletes, selfish doesn't have to be a negative thing like there's certain things that you need to just be thinking about you know one certain one certain thing um so i don't necessarily think selfish is a is a bad thing um all, all the time it can be for sure but not but not all the time um with me I, I mean i wasn't a massive raver or anything but i would for example i'd go to races and i'd be hanging for the after party like that that was my jam i loved it i'd worked really hard and i wanted to and i wanted to party hard and i did to the point that i would miss flights or be on flights very hungover i did that too just fyi i just want to turn a light on back here yeah you're right yeah. you've done that too missed a flight or been on a flight hungover <laughs> both. or both <laughs> I've got photos of me and the worst thing about the Kona airport is that it's all out like there's no indoors there's no air conditioning so if you're hungover you're standing out there in the heat and it's just sweating it out horrible coming out oh. of the pores yeah <laughs> yeah people have documented yeah. that journey of mine um but but yeah since having Frankie it's not that um like I've changed. I don't want to say that I've evolved because that sort of to me that suggests that I've gotten better as a person. Like it's not about that. It's just that my life is just a slightly different direction now, and I'm okay with that. I don't. I don't want to be. You know, I, even on the weekend I worked at Geelong, and normally I'd hang out and have beers with people after the race. But I was like, well, no, I got to. I've got to get back to Frankie and hang out with her. And I don't know. Like I just, it, it does change you having kids. Um, but not for the better, not for the worse. It's just, it's just different. You, yeah. There's no denying it. There's an instinct that kicks in that you never knew you had probably, you know. Mate. Part of human nature. Yeah. I say it all the time. I can't believe how much 
I love that kid, um, which sounds terrible because you should go into it sort of thinking, yeah, I'm going to love my kid. I always knew I would, but it, it's kind of flawed me, but more so how much time I actually want to spend with her. Um, like I don't want to send her to daycare because I want to just be hanging out with her as much as possible, but I also oh, I have to remember. get some work done. My mum, when she took me, even to this day, I remember, there's not so many things I remember as a kid, but that was one of them when my mum took me to um, to school for the first time. Yeah. And I was like the shy of the kids, right? Yeah. And, oh, my gosh, my mum, she cried, a, cried herself silly. She did not want me to go. And I, oh. so I could not relate cause in, in the sense because I don't have kids, but, like, mm. from your point of view as a mum, right, it's like, it's all this little thing that you've spent so much time with day in, day out, you just, like, Gonna yep. leave it, leave it at the door and go away. The yeah. first day at daycare, I reckon I cried more than Frankie. I had to, I had to drive away and just go and do work all day. It's just so I couldn't think about her at all. It just was, yeah. It's a, it's a very bizarre feeling. Um, what, what, what were your parents doing in terms of work throughout you growing up or now even? So my, um, my. Dad was a uh, carpenter. Ah. Yeah. And so we moved around a lot and he got jobs from every, like place to place wherever we went, yep. um, which was great. So that enabled us to travel. And mm-hmm. my mom, she was just a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Ran the household, raised three kids. I think that's a pretty tough job on its own. Did all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Three. right. I'm one of three. I don't know how my parents did it. I'm, oh, I've got I, I one. Just, like, I'm like, how did my parents do it in like this tiny 19 foot caravan? Like, it's blows my mind. It's very, very impressive. And and you you alluded to this. You kid kids one day, hopefully. Yeah, you know, I don't think I'm too old. <laughs> I don't. Takes two to tango, though, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Is he in the background? Yeah. Say it louder so he can hear. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know if you can hear, but yeah, it's definitely something we've talked about. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, but you actually already have a a small child yes. in the house with four yes. legs. Yeah. He's my little love. He is. He's just here. Oh, yes. This is what I've been waiting for. Oh, there he is. buddy. Hi. What's his name again? Right Fondue. Fondue, that's right. So is he. A Aussie Shepherd or is he a Shepherd? What's it, what is he? He's a toy Aussie Shepherd. Ah. Yeah. Oh, he's He's got a personality, that's for sure. They're the best, those kind of – we've got a Border Collie. I think they're similar, similar natures. Just, yeah. <laughs> he's doing his rounds right now. I just disturbed him. <laughs> Dogs are the greatest. Dogs, yeah. you come home to a dog and they, they don't care the what you've been excitement. doing. It's gone yeah. for five minutes or five hours. They're just like nuts about you. <laughs> Isn't that the best? Yeah. They're the best. Dogs are the best cheerleaders. Yeah. 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 You can do no wrong in a dog's eye. Yeah. Or eyes. Yeah. Um, before I let you go, we didn't speak about Credo. Can you please give me a, ru- a quick rundown on what Credo is? Yes, I will. It was, it's a motivational app. So um, a couple of friends of mine started this app through COVID, which honestly makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you can 
download the app and have daily messages that come through. You can set your alarm and your alarm will go off and then you'll have a message that at random that will come through from maybe one of your favorites. Uh, like, um, for example, um, I would come on <laughs> and give you a motivational quote for the day or um, a slim tip for the day. Um, so there's actually a great list of athletes on the app. Um, some old timers like myself, Mark Allen, Dave Scott, far older than me, just FYI. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think you can classify yourself as an old timer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then some, you know, some current ones like uh, Ben Canute. Uh, I'm just throwing some examples out there. Um, Sarah True, um, Sarah Crowley. Um, Oh, who else? Oh, there's a bunch. I, I'm sorry yeah. if I don't know name more, but yeah, some of your favorites are on there, and and the list yeah. is growing every every uh, month. So, you know, if you want, and you can ask the pros, send them a question, and they can send you a video answer. Um, oh, so it's cool. almost like having access, direct access to the pros. Uh, you can send get set up a birthday wish that you can get them to send through to somebody um, by signing up to the app and um, things like that. So it's kind of uh, a fun way to be a little bit more in tune with the personality of, mm. of the professional athletes, um, but also get, you know, some specific information that you want as opposed to just having to read and sift through magazines and YouTube videos and all that just to find out one simple answer that, you know, may take five minutes versus five hours. Yep. Although I still keep looking on YouTube channels and listening to podcast people, like Credo sounds great, but continue to watch and listen to the Wits Up yeah. <laughs> content. <laughs> can you give us can you give us one freebie, one motivational tip before I let you go? Mm. You know, I gosh, what have I been? I, I'm just um, put out into the universe what you want to achieve in life. Nice. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I just realized that I never actually did any kind of introduction as to who I'm talking to. So hopefully by now people realize that I'm chatting to Leander Cave, four-time world champion. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. <laughs> uh, hopefully we can connect again soon. And um, yeah, I'm sure we've barely scratched the surface and we've got many more stories to uncover about you. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure you hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are using. Leave us a comment. It gives us some feedback but also helps with our podcast ranking. But above all else, keep yourselves knee deep in awesomeness and we'll speak to you in the next episode. <laughs>